On this week's episode, was Comic-Con at home worth staying home for? A Halo graphics debate arises. And do we really need video game crowd noise? All this and more as we rev up our motorcycle. And once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you can go ahead and like, Follow, subscribe, share, or when we're doing our gaming videos, like this one, you could throw us some stars at us. That would be truly appreciated from all of us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Stars, Facebook stars, not not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So we don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. Can I throw a ninja star at you? Yeah, I mean, that would be quite the throw, but yeah, yeah. I bought some from a uh, a swap meet one time, and uh, they're easy to hurt yourself with. So also <laughs> on that note, be careful. Well, it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own great white shark for pop culture cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, as well, his great shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. And, of course, everything that he does with his book, Congratulations, You Suck, which is now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh, J-A-W-S, for this time only, Josh Peterson. What's up, man? So speaking of sharks, did you ever play the Lucas Lucas Arts game Armed and Dangerous back in the on the original Xbox? Heard of it, never played it. Although I do want to give a big shout out to Jaws on his 45th anniversary. So I just wanted to go ahead and and that's yes. most likely one of the reasons why you're wearing the shirt today. I am. Yeah, a classic movie. Not a huge fan of uh Jaws 3, but Jaws 1 and 2 are pretty decent. But anyways, back to my thing. There's a gun, actually, in Armed and Dangerous that shoots sharks out, and it plays the Jaws music in the background. So we need more things like that is the point I'm trying to make here. Also, Universal Studios still has the Jaws thing up and running, so good for them. Check that out when the COVID stuff's over, and uh, happy anniversary, Jaws. Absolutely. Happy anniversary, indeed. And if you guys want to, I'm, I try and reach out to one of the writers of Jaws. I can... Always do that. Great guy, PR rep, Steve Joyner. He has access to that. So if you guys want me to, reach out to me uh, at PopCultureCosmo on Twitter or PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, and I'll go ahead and I can set something up on an interview if you guys are interested in, and we'll be glad to do so right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So. Do you ever get Do you ever get sore from, like, flexing the I know people muscles? That uh. Well, Steve Joyner <laughs> is a really good guy, really great PR yeah. rep. He loves a lot of good people out there but no you can never know enough good people in this world so 
sleeping in. It's so. true. It's all about networking. You'd be surprised at who you might know that might know somebody. That's how this podcast has worked, right? You know, we've kind of known people, have known people, got interviews. That's how I got to interview one of my favorite bands. So it's it never hurts to network. But we are going to have a great show today. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including a wrap-up of Comic-Con. And was it the same for Comic-Con at home? And did it have the same time appeal now that could just a whole bunch of people could see what was going on at Comic-Con? Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about video game crowd noise. Do you really need it in your sporting events? We'll talk about that at the back end of the show. I'll have some impressions of Sisters Royale, which I've actually got right here loaded up on the Xbox One. Got some impressions of that. And I also, with Josh, he's got a game that he's currently playing through. I'm playing through Sisters Royale. He's playing through another game, CrossCode. And we're going to have uh, more detailed thoughts on the Friday program as well. Plus, I've got a great guest on that I had an interview with, Jared Weems from Weems Motor Company. If you're interested and you have a motorcycle, specifically a British Triumph motorcycle that you need restored to its best quality and actually even better than new best place to go is weems motor company so he talks about his background in motorcycle restoration and we want to give again a big shout out to one of our biggest fans nancy weems for allowing me to go ahead and interview jared on that so we truly appreciate it so that interview is coming up for everybody that's listening on radio and of course on our audio podcast as well but my friend why don't you go ahead and you've been shouting out this over the past few days on social media, your thoughts on the Halo graphics debate. I first want to go ahead and clarify the competition between the two Xbox and PlayStation on their various events. Okay, I, I was a little short on the number of games that were announced from Xbox because if you include the indie games, it, the number rises up to 22 so it's about 36, 37 announced for PlayStation and about 22 announced for Xbox. A little bit better as far as the, the difference is concerned, but Xbox still needs a little bit more variance and more titles shouted out there. But the biggest one of all, Halo Infinite, is getting a lot of flack at this point in time. See, that right there, that's part of the problem, right? Because you have people saying oh, well, Xbox didn't show enough games. And they showed around the same number as PlayStation did, but people don't want to count because they don't want Xbox to win. People say, oh, Xbox only makes first-person shooters. So they Xbox goes, okay, well, we'll make some RPGs. And then people goes, well, those ones belong to Sony in the first place. You know, they just, they can't win. These news media outlets attack them relentlessly. And it's it's just, it's so sad like the, the the internet has so many opinions and ideas on this whole thing and nobody can i don't know it frustrates me man i'm sorry i can go on and on about this but please do um, we've got an hour show well, i've i've just like i've stopped reading things because it's pointless like you look at all the comment sections like even in the stuff about halo people are like well it's not uh it's not horizon it's not god of war god of war and horizon so much better like do you listen to yourself seriously it, it's like ah i'm sorry I'm sorry. I need to stop. I need to stop. Actually, but, I would be kind um, of cool if you did that voice. You did that yeah. voice for a whole hour. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These 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 Sony fanboys with dragging their uh, their little stone bats around hey, like hey, cavemen. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> a lot of those Sony fanboys listen and watch our shows. So please, 
Got it. I'm just got to stay on the fence, man. Got to stay on both I'm sides. Saying, I'm uh, I'm just getting some uh, some frustrations out here. But anyways, uh, you know, as for the Halo thing, I, I don't understand. Like, I thought that it looked OK, you know, but uh, they didn't have the 4K and ray tracing turned on. So uh, I forget what the they interviewed the guy who was in charge of putting that presentation together. And I forget what he said. There's some reason that sounded pretty legitimate but if you go on youtube now you can watch like the upgraded um uh what do you call it? the upgraded demos up there now and it looks a lot better but it's you know it's i think the game looks okay i don't know what people are comparing it to it's in they're dealing with the new color palette new uh new engine i just it i it we have and also um Okay, I actually want to talk to you about this. What did they say? They said, like, this is the platform for the next 10 years of Halo, right? So That's this game correct. is going yes. to be constantly evolving. And they mean that they said it's not a game, like a, what do they call it, the live service game? But it's it's just like, I'm I'm assuming it's going to be like Waypoint and how they kept adding content on the Waypoint or like um, Halo, Halo 4, right? Remember they kept doing more Spartan Ops stuff on there. I assume it's going to be something like that. We'll see. But they, they said the graphics are going to keep improving even up to launch. So uh, I think that maybe they should not have shown a trailer so prematurely if it wasn't ready. But uh, Well, again, it comes it. back to first impressions. First impressions are the best ones to give. And as you know, with the consoles and when they do these releases and when they do these announcements before the, the console even comes out, first impressions are usually the most memorable. I mean, you and I both I, at that PlayStation 4 press conference from E3 still remember the sharing, the handing one disc to the other Sony exec from one Sony exec and still remember that as a big smack on Xbox that lasted for a long time. I, you have those first impressions. You got to make the best of them, man. You got to. Yeah, gotta. you do. I also like, you know, like I said, though, I feel like people are already, we're already going to the Microsoft conference, go, wanting to say that Sony was better before the conference even started. So I, I didn't. Just, I, I, I want I, no, Xbox. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying you did. I just, it, it's, it's, it seems to be the attitude of a lot of video game journalists. You know, you, you look at like the, the kind of funnies, the IGNs, the polygons, like the Kotaku. Kotaku wrote an article blasting Microsoft before the conference was even finished. Like it, it's, it, it's they just they can't win. You know, yeah, they make mistakes. And Sony, look at Sony's conference. A lot of what they talked about were, um, you know, a lot of their main stuff was like sequels and reboots. You know, if Microsoft would have done that, that would have been the the complaint. Well, it's all just sequels and reboots. You know, and it's it's. They, they can't win. Like, it doesn't matter what they show. Microsoft will not be able to win with the press. Okay. And I just want to clarify. We both have. I have both, both consoles. I, I have I all like three. Both. I like Sony. I like Microsoft both. I just don't like some of the, the rivalry kind of agitates me because I don't understand it. Again, as someone who appreciates all the consoles. In fact, I've been called a Nintendo hater, but I even now have a Nintendo Switch and I think it's a great system. So leaning towards PlayStation. But then again, Xbox still has a lot of time to go ahead and make up for that because they have some good games. Avowed from Obsidian looks incredible. I mean, that they should have gone ahead and gone more into because Obsidian is that company that a lot of gamers like, but they're not as well known to the general audience. But my gosh, they've made some fantastic games. 
and they could use really a high-profile release, and Avowed could be just that. Yeah, Avowed looks looks amazing. Well, and here's here's my thoughts. You know, man, back to the console thing. Like, I I haven't decided which one I'm gonna get yet. You know, obviously, I can get Halo Infinite on Xbox One. So, really, if if there's a a console that has at least three games that I'm interested in at launch, then I'll probably end up with that one. And it could be PlayStation, could be Xbox. You know, I just like I. I want to give both a fair chance. Sounds good. You know what? I'm going to give both a fair chance as well. We're giving all three a fair chance on the current systems because, again, I'm looking at all three of mine right now. So still plenty of time left in this game. Plenty of time to go ahead and decide which one you want. Plus availability is also going to be an issue. And that's something that they don't really talk about. Price, availability, and also Release street date. date. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, there's still much to talk about when it comes to the console wars and the next console generation. Halo, it, to me, it looks pretty good. But again, it doesn't look amazing, which I was think I was a lot of people were hoping for. I mean, we've seen YouTube videos out there that breaks everything down on the graphics, like bit by bit by bit. Oh my gosh, this doesn't look as good as Halo 5, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there's pop in here. And I thought Xbox... Series X was supposed to prevent that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It looks good. And to, it, it does it play well. Does it bring something new to the Halo genre? I think that's something that I think a lot of people are looking more towards to than does it have the cutting edge graphics? I mean, they're going to leave that to Forza and some of the other games, I think, as far as that's concerned, because... Yeah, yeah. and that's not to say that Halo shouldn't look good. No, you know, to no. me, the the most important thing about Halo has always been the narrative to me. I've always thought that they were amazing storytellers. Granted, you know, five wasn't my favorite, but you kind of noticed that the graphical abilities, I guess, of the the franchise took a huge turn at four, right? You had four and five were just the, the game looked totally different. So I wonder if they're trying to, they're trying maybe to get back to what Halo used to be. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I mean, you know, we just we, people have to give it. And the, the and granted, the screenshots were not flattering that came out of that conference for yeah. the game. But I mean, I think people just need to give it a chance because who knows? That launch this could be a completely different beast. You know, and granted, Microsoft should have probably thought about what that was going to do. But I just I don't think that it's worth all the hate that it's getting. Exactly, and I don't think it is either. I am, and I did say on Friday's PCC Multiverse. I was a little bit disappointed in what they had to offer. I thought they should have given you more, especially because they're the one coming after PlayStation 5, because PlayStation 5 went first, so you know what to expect. And I thought they didn't quite give you what they needed to give you, but they're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. I agree, and I'm hoping we'll get to see more games before launch, or even maybe they'll do another conference that'll give us the street date, you know, of the console itself. But there's going to be more. There has to be more, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be more Halo stuff being released as it gets closer to its launch date. Absolutely, and we'll keep updating you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source on Facebook. So you're always going to get the latest info, the latest news items. So please go ahead and do so. Follow us, like our pages today, Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. 
Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, my friend, there was also much more to talk about when it concerns Comic-Con. Comic-Con at home, past few days. Some interesting things, tidbits here and there, but nothing earth-shattering. There was no real trailer that rocked the world or people were just all over the globe and the internet or social media talking about. I mean, there was great updates on The Boys, which got renewed for season three, even before season two came out. I love that trailer. Absolutely love the trailer that they showed off. I don't know if you've seen it yet. All I will say is it was a whale of a good time as far as that trailer is concerned. So hopefully you will get a chance to see that if you haven't already. Rick and Morty, just updating you on season five and season six. Archer, I believe on season 11, they showed the latest trailer for that. They had Bill and Ted. They had Benicio Del Toro. They had so many different panels that were there that were very interesting. But without DC and Marvel there, as we suspected, or at least I suspected anyways, it didn't have that oomph that I think Comic-Con, especially in its first year trying this virtual at home because of obviously COVID reasons that it really needed to get. Yeah, it's... Well, you're not there, you know, like, like I said last on the multiverse, it's, it's the atmosphere that really does it for people being able to dress up and like, see, see all the comic books of it. It just, the atmosphere, it electrifies you. And that's something that I think showing just in online video stuff seems to lack. Did you happen to catch the Constantine 15 year anniversary stuff at all? Well, that's why I left it in the show notes right here, my friend, because Keanu Reeves got a chance to sit down with also the the, the creators of the movie mm-hmm. Constantine. And obviously yeah. the, the most interesting news that was that they had sequels in mind, which brings up the slight possibility now in a streaming environment where content of any kind is needed. That could be of interest to people out there. Could this revive interest in a Constantine sequel. I mean, at the time they said that the studio passed on it because they really didn't know what they had, even though it did earn a profit. It didn't earn a huge profit, but it did earn a profit. But the studio really couldn't th- think, you know, just it was kind of weird for them. And I can they understand, didn't understand why. It, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're anytime you're dealing with spiritual things, you know, I can totally understand people wanting to stay away from that, especially back when that movie came out, right? Because that was before you know, all the progressive stuff we see today. So you have a lot of like Christian moms sitting at home going, no, no, no. And those are the kids that would probably go to see the movie. The kids who sat at home reading Hellblazer comics or Hellboy or whatever. I, I it think it's be. a little different now. Yeah. The, the atmosphere is definitely a lot different. Yeah. I think they, uh, Constantine too could be very successful today, especially yeah. if they just the, the dark tones of the film, I think it could tie easily into something that already exists, you know, and I know they're talking about doing a Justice League dark movie or something streaming on HBO Max, and they could easily carry Keanu Reeves over onto something like that. I feel Can't like that could be, 
can't afford him I... on, uh, something like that. I would I would say that they would do a Constantine two movie separate from uh, having him in Justice League Dark. I, I don't. I, think... I, I Keanu Reeves is a man of the people. I feel like he would he would consider it at least. Okay, he'll consider it at least. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give uh, you that. No, the one of the other things that was funny was the fact that they were very um, kind of closed lipped about whether or not they had asked him to to bleach his hair and talk with a British accent. Yeah. You see, he they were asking about that, and he started laughing. Yes. Yeah, but I'm I'm hopeful. What are you? Do you want a Constantine too? I would love to see one. I thought that Keanu Reeves and Rachel Wise, like they were, that was a very very great movie, and it had a really great uh, soundtrack scored by uh, not scored, but featuring um, a Perfect Circle. James Maynard Keenan did some love music that, for that. Love that theme. Love the Constantine yeah. theme. Yeah. So I just absolutely love it. The movie itself was good, and I have rewatched it at least two or three times since uh you know my other my one of my daughters was trying to watch a couple minutes of it and she didn't really get it to me it was a good movie it wasn't a great movie because i think the pacing no. was just a little slow yeah so it have you ever read it has the its own vibe and the problem is that the it, vibe is slow it is a slow well have you ever read the hellblazer comics yeah a little bit so a lot of those, like a lot of the dialogue, it's taking place in Constantine's head. So he's like thinking about things. And then when he actually acts on them, it's like an episode of Supernatural, you know, and like you have the investigation. Uh, I think they're trying to, they're, the, the world of Hellblazer is huge. And I think the problem was they're trying to take too much of that world and condense it into an hour and a half movie. And it, it didn't really, while it was good, it, there was a lot more that could be explored in like two or three, you know, having the thing with, with Chaz and Papa Midnight, like those are all characters that have a lot of, of development that still could happen, you know, assuming Shia LaBeouf would come back and do the part, which I, that's I don't also know how a I, tough game. Well, yeah, he's kind of dead. He didn't, he, he was in a movie, right? And he tattooed himself just for this movie. And then it turns out that he didn't actually need to show the tattoos. Yeah, that's that was correct. Yeah. But he he's actually spoiler alert, and I'm sorry if I'm giving away a 15 year old movie, but he's kind of dead. Oh yeah, in the movie he is dead. Yeah, yeah so, so you I, don't really that's, need him back. Yeah, but I mean, it is a movie that revolves around pe- like supernatural things, so they could easily bring him back. But uh, I don't know. Chaz also has a daughter, so I mean that could be something they could play around with too. Yeah, I just would love to see Rachel Weisz and Keanu Reeves get back together. And they were kind of awkward, their relationship and how it ended and whatnot, or was it continuing or a lot of that stuff going on there. So it was kind of like, I'd like to see this, see if that something could work, brew out of that or, or maybe not or how yeah. that works. Or the dagger was supposed to the be dagger. Deep, deep, you know, lost and, and put somewhere where Keanu Reeves wouldn't know, even Keanu Reeves himself wouldn't know where it is. And, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk for a minute about Gavin Rosdale, like how he he owned that part of that part? I forget what his character's name was, but like for someone who had never been in films before, who had only done Bush music videos, like he was pretty good. He was Absolutely. pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. But Constantine, you never know. The rumors and rumors, let them start now, my friend, because... Everyone out there, if you want to go ahead and have a Constantine back in your life with Keanu Reeves, 
doesn't hurt to start that campaign right now because there was sequels that were being planned as the movie was being made. The studio really didn't get the concept of Constantine once it came out, but they sure want it now when it comes to, like you said, Josh, Justice League Dark for HBO Max. Could there be another Constantine on the way? Who knows? But overall, your impressions of Comic-Con at home and just want to hear your final thoughts on if you can go ahead and be something in the future a lot better than what it was, I think, this past few days. Because it was okay, but the problem is it was just okay. Yeah, that's where I stand. It was just okay. I wasn't, like, hyped about anything. You know, there wasn't any big announcements or anything like that. I did enjoy it. Uh, did this take place at Comic-Con, the Zack Snyder talking yes, about Yes, and that's the other thing. Zack Snyder did show off a little bit more footage from the Zack Snyder cut, uh, and there was a lot of commenting, bashing on Joss Whedon, obviously because the way he treated people on the set. And Zack Snyder did say he would not use one frame of the footage that Joss Whedon shot for the film. He would rather burn the whole Zack Snyder cut before going ahead and do that. And I get that, and I understand that. But the actors were still bashing Joss Whedon when he was there. In fact, so much so that he had a uh, his own panel for another thing, and that got canceled very quietly. But yeah, Zack Snyder showed off a little bit more from the Snyder Cut. It goes a little bit more into dark side. And I really kind of think I'm going to be very interested in it. Now, we're still not 100% sure how it's going to weigh out, whether it's not going to be a series or whether it's going to be a movie. Right now, it's totaling between four and five hours-ish, I think, is what they're talking about in Overcross hints on social media. So we'll see how the Zack Snyder cut lays out, but I'm very interested to see what's going on with that because, I mean, for now, a lot of people can go ahead with the movement that they created with the Zack Snyder cut and get that finally off the, their chest. And so twenty when it, when it arrives in 2021... People can get a really a, the original vision that Zack Snyder saw in the Justice League. Well, I'm I'm hopeful. One, let me talk about his comments for a second. Like I I applaud that. Like there's a lot of passion in his storytelling. Like he is say what you want about Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel. The man is very passionate about the story that he was trying to tell. And my hope is that uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, will be successful enough for him to continue on. And whether or not that storytelling overlaps what's being done in, you know, with Aquaman and Wonder Woman, I don't know. But I would love to see the end of his story come to fruition, even if they have to find somebody else to play Batman. I know I just love to see the rest of that tale being told. You know, as for the Joss Whedon stuff, I don't I don't really know anything about I mean, I heard that Ray what's his name that plays Cyborg. I heard he was unhappy with Extremely unhappy. He was he yeah. was treated very poorly in his awards by Joss Whedon on the set when Joss Whedon took over and he has no love loss and has admitted so in the past few weeks regards to relationship that he had or lack thereof with Joss Whedon and basically it's yeah it's just there it is it's gotten to the point yeah. where like I said Joss Whedon can't do anything now because he's getting a lot of flack on social media Joss Whedon had a panel set up at Comic-Con and had to cancel it because of this controversy well, what makes me curious about the whole thing is that he hasn't, neither he nor anyone on his team has reached out to like deny any of these allegations. So that's what makes me wonder about the whole thing. Oh, but, that's what Ray Fisher said. Yeah. To me for slander. 
you know, if that's the case. So yeah, so I I don't I don't know, but I mean, you know, I I'm glad that we are seeing like the true Justice League vision coming to life, and I'm glad that like I've Zack Snyder seems very very fired up about this, and like that's why I'm so excited because when I see an artist creating something and they're stoked about it, that makes me excited to watch it. This is true, my friend. This is true. But again, your overall impressions of Comic-Con, was it a still-can't-miss event? No. Uh, it was okay. And I'm sure over time, these videos that they're posting will get more and more views. But I just... I the I think people love Comic-Con because of the act of being there, being able to dress up, being in the midst of all those people who have not showered in three days. You know, it's just... it's And like the, the people you know, hawking their goods, selling comic books, selling manga, selling toys, action figures, whatever it might be getting, you know, square is usually there and you get to get your hands on their latest games and demos and whatever it might be. And even just the act of like every, all these comic book booths are there and people go with their submissions and they drop them in the box because this is what they've been waiting for all year. They've been working on these comic book scripts and they're able to give them to people that's not happening. So, I mean, if you're there strictly for content, then yes, that, that type of person will really get a lot out of this. But as for the entire Comic-Con experience, it's a very shallow reflection of what it is in person. You know, if Marvel and DC, they go ahead and do their own thing continuously going forward like they're going to, that's going to be a bad sign for Comic-Con as a premier event down the road. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the hope is that once the COVID stuff gets under control, that we'll be able to go back to having people all gather again. But, you know, who knows when that will happen. So I guess you just got to kind of make do with what you can do at the moment. What are your thoughts out there on Comic-Con at home? Did you enjoy it? How much did you watch? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Plus also send us your thoughts on the continuous Halo Infinite debate Were you worried about the graphics? Is it not up to your expectations? And are you leaning one way or the other when it comes to Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Let's also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And popculturecosmos on TikTok as well. Coming up next, we've got Jared Weems from Weems Motor Co., the interview I did with him, talking about all the great stuff that he's doing. Then after that, Josh and I are going to talk about video game crowd noise. Do we need it in our real sports today? We're going to share that debate coming up here in a sec. This is the Pop Culture Christmas. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever he fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end what will he get how will he get it and how well will he do find out november 1st 2020 it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here and i thank everyone for listening out there around the world on radio and of course right where you get your podcasts there are some great hobbies that people can go ahead and look at or they can go ahead and get into because right now I'm going to be talking to someone who has a lot of interesting things to say when it comes to motorcycles. That's right. Vroom, vroom, vroom. So get your motorcycle gear on, the helmet on, 
strap on. We're going to go ahead and get a, take a ride on some British motorcycles because you're seeing Weems Motor Company. That's right. It's the place to go for custom designed British motorcycles, especially the Triumph motorcycle. It just it has a name that is one of the most well-known around the world as far as motorcycles are concerned. And these classic motorcycles from around the world get sent to this man for restoration. And I'll tell you what, he does an outstanding job. And if you haven't checked it out yet, it's available now at weemsmotorco.com. It is Jared Weems. And Jared, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. And special shout out to Nancy. I know she's probably watching us somewhere. Nancy, thanks so much for watching, giving a suggestion for today's interview. And Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, Gerald, thanks for having me out, buddy. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I've got you right in the shop right there. You have such a, uh, I guess, a passion from what I've been able to see, the videos, the the designs, and also the restoration, the time that you take taking these older Triumph motorcycles and going ahead and restoring them to beauty. How much of a passion is it for you to go ahead and do that? And and really, just how rewarding is it for you when you go ahead and you finish the work on a on a great restoration of a Triumph vehicle? You definitely have to have a passion to work on any British bike, much less a vintage British bike. It's uh, it's definitely a labor of love. The work that goes into it is, you know, it's kind of become therapeutic. It's a it's a moment where you can kind of just go out into the shop shut your brain off or turn your brain on and think about everything that's going on. I know that, you know, socially we're dealing with the coronavirus and all the quarantining and not only that, but also the, the social issues that we're dealing with, you know, with the racial divide that's happening in our country. So yeah, man, the, the garage, the shop has kind of become a kind of my therapy room, man. It's like a place for counseling where I just go out and just process my thoughts and, uh, and uh, just kind of get a better grasp on life. Absolutely. Now, these requests that you get, including one, one that we were talking about just before we went on camera, these requests you get from individuals on these older bikes, because when we're talking about some of these Triumph motorcycles that you are repairing, and people are seeing it now on your gallery at weemsmotorco.com, they're seeing the work on these. These are not like uh, easy to find via, uh, motorcycles <laughs> they're they're in their 50s uh, they're 1960s they're they're really older older triumph motorcycles so i want to hear your thoughts how do they get a hold of these motorcycles are they just left in like attics or are they just maybe passed down from generation to generation or storage facilities how do they get a hold of these things and, and then decide you know what i'm going to go ahead and turn to jared to go ahead and restore it back to its former self Man, I've I've heard many different stories about how guys come across uh, these old bikes, and yeah, man, some of them are upwards of seventy years old now. And uh, so, I mean, I've had stories of guys pulling, you know, motorcycles out of old barns and motorcycles that have been passed down through the family. You know, a lot of the motorcycles that I find, you know, they're never in a running riding condition they're always in some need of repair and most of them are just ends up being just buckets and piles of parts that you just kind of start playing lego and putting things back together and restoring and bringing things back yeah it's 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 funny to to see where some of these bikes that i've built have come from and to see where they go to after they get done and that's the thing because like you said sometimes they literally come to you in pieces 
and you don't have all the pieces. So sometimes it's like putting a puzzle <laughs> together, but you literally just get it sometimes what off the back of a truck and it's just in pieces and they say, go to it. But then again, you also have to go ahead and restore it to its former beauty. And in order to do so, you need to find all these original parts. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They don't remanufacture parts from the 1940s and the 1950s and the 1960s. I mean, luckily, there are some great distributors that are out there now. The vintage motorcycle market has picked up a little bit, got a lot more of attention over the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years. There's some reality uh, shows that have really sparked the interest for that industry, from what I've seen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, so... What, what has happened with that is obviously with the internet and everything nowadays too, is a lot of these parts are now starting to surface. The difficult part about that is, yeah, the parts are starting to surface, but also the, the value has skyrocketed. So when you're looking for some of these ultra rare parts that are missing, number one, you're purchasing an old used part that may be broken, that may be unrepairable, but definitely all need to get repaired in some form or matter. And so a lot of the people, you know, they, you know, with the internet, they're able to jump online to see what the value of a lot of these pieces and parts. And a lot of people are, are, you know, kind of mistaken when it comes to placing values on things. I mean, they look at eBay and they see what the people are asking. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean what people are paying. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but, you know, as, as overall with these bikes, I, you know, I reach out to my distributors first. I've got some great people. JRC Engineering out in California, they, they're actually remanufacturing some parts, and uh, luckily they've teamed up with me, and I'm, I'm able, able to get that stuff. But so most of the time, man, it ends up being scouring, you know, the internet, making contacts with people in England, because, you know, Triumph Motorcycles, British Motorcycles are from, of course. you know, Europe. And so I've made contacts over in Europe to reach out to some of the guys there that have just like me have stockpiles of pieces and parts that we end up trading back and forth. You know, I got this, you got that, we'll swap it out. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you because it is harder to go ahead and find the pieces for these vintage vehicles. Because again, you're talking about bikes that you'd, like you said, the sixties, the fifties, and even the 1940s say, what's the oldest triumph motorcycle that you've had the pleasure of working on? Well, it may have not oh. been such a pleasure after you worked on it because it might take a lot of doing, but the oldest <laughs> motorcycle that you worked on. It's a funny story because the oldest motorcycle that I've personally worked on was my dad's 1949 Triumph. And he was building the motorcycle and I was like six or seven years old. And uh, while he was at work, I decided to grab some of his tools and start taking parts off of it. And uh, he came home from work. <laughs> And little Jared was six or seven years old, was using his tools to take his motorcycle apart. So, <laughs> so the first motorcycle I've ever worked on was the oldest motorcycle I've ever worked on. But as, as a professional builder, I built a 1951 Triumph Thunderbird that was featured in uh, Greasy Culture Magazine and the Horseback Street Choppers. Wonderful bike. I built that bike in uh, 2012. Great story. Ended up selling that motorcycle to a family in, in California. They bought it for their grandfather. He was turning 90 years old, and he had a motorcycle exactly like mine, same year, same paint scheme, everything, and they wanted to buy my, uh, buy my motorcycle to give it to their grandfather for his 90th birthday. So it, wow. it, was, it went to a great family. The, the grandson, he's a professional motocross racer, so a motorcycle family, and it's, it's sitting in their collection. I reach out to them about once a year and say, hey, how's the bike doing? 
you know, does it need anything? And they're like, oh, it's just sitting here in the collection. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. I'm like, great. <laughs> that's awesome. Probably only gets tested, what, maybe a couple times a year at best? Yeah, probably once or twice a year he says he takes it out. But when they present it to the grandfather, I mean, it was it was a big story. They actually, the news the newspapers came out and did a big story. So they sent me, you know, the newspaper articles and stuff. So I felt, you know, I didn't build the motorcycle for them. It wasn't a commission build, but it was nice to see something that I put my time, effort, and my passion into. I originally built it for myself to see somebody else getting so much enjoyment and satisfaction out of it even even if they even if it just sits in their collection as a piece of art that's still an honor to be able to do that absolutely absolutely and that just that pleasure of giving it to a family that is just trying to have their best interests and give it to their grandfather it just just, just for the memories and, and that's really truly something special to behold absolutely well, Jared, I tell you, I mean it's just been so great talking and just finding out more about what you what you have to offer let me ask you this. Are there some crazy requests that happen when, when in the midst of somebody sending you a bike to restore? I mean, do, do sometimes some of the guests, you don't have to say specific, obviously names or whatnot, but are there usually like any type of crazy requests that come along with it? Probably the hardest as, as a mechanic, as a, as a builder, the hardest ones that I have to do are, are motorcycles that's been passed down from either grandfather or father that back in the 60s or 70s the they modified it into a chopper and um, you know the guys that back then they used the tools that they had in their garage the pieces and parts and a lot of the work that they do uh, is not the most safe uh, work so I'm really particular when it comes to somebody bringing me a family heirloom like that number one you know safety is always first and I don't want I don't want anything to come out of my shop that that could cause somebody else harm. And so, you know, I, a lot of those discussions are difficult discussions saying, you know, hey, I can mechanically restore it to back to where to run, but I am not liable, you know, the welding and all of the modifications that they did, you know, so there's a lot of legal stuff that goes along with that. You know, I make sure they say, sign a liability waiver and say, that's not my problem. <laughs> so. Of course, absolutely. I mean, this is the age that we live in now. It's, it's, you know, liability, there's there's reasons for it. So that's quite understandable. But Nancy Weems passed along a story to me, a little thing about Marvel. And you obviously know uh, with pop culture, Marvel is such a dominant force in the pop culture realm. But can you go ahead and tell us a little bit of story about the, the Marvel bike that you have to go ahead and restore that kind of set things off for Nancy and how she referred me to you in the first place? So... Throughout the last few months, I've been working on a motorcycle. It's actually a replica of a David Mann painting, which David Mann was a, um, a painter, artist that painted centerfolds for Easy Rider magazine and several magazines. So I've been restoring, or not restoring, I've been building this replica of this painting that he's doing. And through the midst of that, a lot of attention has come my way for what I'm doing as I'm going to be raffling the motorcycle off with all the proceeds going to a local nonprofit that takes care of kids who's made out of the foster care system. But through the midst of that, a lot more attention come my way and I've been working on my, my merchandise line and I wanted to work on some new logos and things for, for my business. And I reached out to a good friend of mine and he started doing some designing for me. And one particular logo that I really enjoyed in the motorcycle industry, there's, there's what's called the winged wheel. 
And this is something from, you know, it's an art deco design from the 20s, 30s, and 40s that basically it just, it's a symbology of the advancement of industry. And that's how motorcycles kind of did that and uh, how it advanced everything for us. So I wanted to have someone create for me a winged wheel for a logo that I could do for t-shirts and stickers and things. So I reached out to my friend and he was like, man, I have a good buddy and he works for Marvel Comics and actually he's the head illustrator for a lot of the Iron Man comics and he wants to help out on this project. He wants to do this logo for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. I was like, man, by all means, if he's, he's all excited about doing this, let's do it up. And man, he came up with this uh, incredible logo. A lot of my logos, I like to keep them very simplistic and very impactful, almost like a clip art kind of style, very bold, just big lines and things. And, and he came up with this, this amazing drawing of him. He took an actual Triumph motorcycle wheel and recreated it into his drawing and added this, this wing on the back of it. And then along the side of the tire, it actually says Weems Motor Co. So super excited. It came out great. I've actually, next week, I'll be having t-shirts come in and those will be up on the website for sale. I have button pins with those on them. I'm doing some hats and some different things with that logo because it's just, it's an honor for somebody at that level to be able to volunteer and just give it as a gift for me to be able to use. So big thanks going out to him. And that'll be up on your storefront at weemsmotorco.com slash store. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, sir. So before we head on out, I just wanted to go ahead and give you the floor not only what you're doing at Weems Motor Co. and why people should go ahead and turn to you for their vintage British Triumph motorcycle restoration, but also a special event and a raffle that a lot of people should be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, I've been working on this motorcycle. It's a recreation of a David Mann photo. And I've partnered with a local nonprofit organization called Forgotten Angels. And what Forgotten Angels does is they bring in kids who have aged out of the foster care system. That means once they've reached the age of 18, the state of Florida no longer provides funds for that family. And a lot of these kids, uh, unfortunately, are part of families that only foster for money. And so Forgotten Angels brings them in, gives them a safe place, a home, a place where they can learn how to become a, a part of society. They learn how to get jobs. They learn how to... Uh, set up bank accounts, learn how to finish their high school degrees and stuff like that. So I've partnered with them and we've made the decision that we're going to be raffling this bike off with all of the proceeds going to support that amazing organization. Coming up this next Saturday, August the 1st, is going to be the kickoff of that raffle. And you guys are the first to hear the specific date. So congratulations to you guys. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so there's going to be some Facebook Live, some Instagram Live, some big things going around that. I'm going to do some giveaways this week leading up until the actual kickoff of the raffle. But the raffle will con uh, cover basically for six months at the end of Bike Week in Daytona in March. We will be pulling the winners, and there's actually going to be four winners. The, the first place winner receives the motorcycle and the limited edition print of the, the painting that I built the motorcycle from, print number one, the only one on canvas. Second place winner is going to be winning a Biltwell helmet. My good friend Bill from Biltwell Industries donated a helmet for it. And the third place winner is going to be receiving a prize package from Lowbrow Customs, my good friend Tyler 
donated like a huge, huge package of their merchandise. And then the last place is going to be winning a package from Weems Motor Co. and the David Mann official store. So tickets are only $25 a piece. Super cheap for considering you could be winning a, you know, priceless, essentially, this custom motorcycle. If you want to do a generous donation of $100, you'll get an additional ticket. That'll be five tickets for that. And like I said, all proceeds are going to Forgotten Angels to be able to give them the support so that they can help as many of these kids get off the streets and get into a safe place. Well, that's a great cause indeed. And for more information, like you said, head over to your social media. Is that correct? Your Instagram and your Facebook? Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's WeemsMotorCo.Tampa. That's both Instagram and Facebook. Go over there, hit like, hit share, hit follow. You'll see a lot of the updates. But also on the website, www.WeemsMotorCo.com, there's a tab at the top that says Raffle. It gives you all the details, all of the prizes, uh, all of the information you need, though. And you can actually, you'll be able to purchase the tickets starting August the 1st straight from the website. You'll just click on the button and it'll be activated. It'll take you right into the program so you can purchase your tickets right from wingsmotorco.com. That's truly an awesome cause and and that's a great thing that you're doing. And it all starts August 1st. You heard it here first. And so we truly appreciate you giving us the scoop and exclusive on that one. We truly appreciate it. (laughs) So when this gets heard around the world on radio worldwide and people can go ahead and find out more information at weemsmotorco.com or on your Facebook, your Instagram, but also right there on the site, there's a raffle slot that you can go ahead and right there on the site, they can go ahead and type in, uh, right, click on the, the raffle page and it'll be right there for you on that starting, like you said, on August 1st. Can't wait mm-hmm. to hear all the success stories from, that come from that and, and all the great things that you're going to be doing with that because it's just definitely a great cause indeed. Just this fall is going to be crazy. I'm taking the motorcycle all the way across the country from Tampa to California and all the stops in between to a lot of major motorcycle events. The motorcycle is going to be featured in several national and international publications. So whoever wins this is going to be receiving something amazing. But I I just want to encourage the people, even if you don't win and you're just that guy that purchases a $25 ticket, your $25 is going to help these kids that need it so much. And you can find out all of the information on Forgotten Angels at www.forgottenangelsflorida.org. There's also a link to that on my raffle tab on our website. Oh, sounds awesome. Again, another great cause right there with ForgottenAngels.com and so much more that you're doing for that organization and the people who need it. And for more information, even more on the raffle, or do you want to go ahead and buy some raffle tickets, just head to, like I said before, your Instagram, your Facebook, or just simply go to weemsmotorco.com. Just awesome to talk to you, Jared. All this great information again, and people just, if they have an interest to go ahead and restore their Triumph, there's no better base to go for their motorcycle than Jared Weems. Jared, Thank I'll you, tell Jared. you what. Oh, no problem. Thanks for t- again for stopping by right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library, 
and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank Jared Weems for joining us today. If you're listening to us worldwide on radio and also as well any of our audio podcast outlets, want to thank him so much for joining us today. Go ahead and support his great causes with his raffle that he announced and gave us the sneak peek on starting August 1st. So you want to check out WeemsMotorCo.com. Go ahead and be part of the raffle. It's going to a great charity, and I cannot thank him enough for stopping by on the program. But before we head on out, my friend, again, I want to tell everybody, if you get a chance, there's a great game that's out. It's called Sisters Royale. If you're interested in those top-down shooters with kind of like a JRPG look, I tell you what, this is a place to go. Sisters Royale had a lot of fun with it. I'm going to have a deeper review of it with Josh as he reviews his game, CrossCode, coming up on our Friday program. But my initial impression is it's a lot of fun. Hopefully going to be able to stream a lot more out there of Sisters Royale. I'm looking forward to doing so here in the coming few days. Looking forward to it. But my initial impressions are that if you want a great top-down shooter, this might be the place to go. Sisters Royale. Available now for Switch, for Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. It's Sisters Royale. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. But my friend, before we head on out, I want to talk about video game crowd noise. All right, here we go, my friend. The NBA is coming back into session. I'm so excited. I've been talking a lot about it with a ton of great guests on the Lakers Fast Break. I, actually, I think I'm going to close in on 20 to 23 podcasts for the month of July for the Lakers Fast Break with some great interviews, all very relevant, so check it out. But one thing that I did touch on, especially with Laker Tom from Lakerholics.com, is the crowd noise that's piped in because, you know, they're in the confines of a bubble in Orlando, Florida, Disney World, ABC, Wide World of Sports Complex, and there's no crowd there. So they're piping in with certain broadcasts. Some broadcasts are choosing not to. Some are. And the ones that are are piping in crowd noise, allegedly and actually they've, I think, admitted this too in some occasions, from NBA 2K. So, so you hear this murmur. Uh, uh, you hear this murmur. You don't hear any highs or lows. You just keep hearing this murmur. LeBron James, slam dunk. hear this murmur. Uh, takes away from the ambiance of the game, personally, for me. I cannot stand it. It's really irritating to me. And I think a lot of other people are saying the same thing as well. But the worst part about it is, my friend, is not only the NBA is doing it, but NHL is going to be taking sounds from EA NHL games. And the fact that maybe, too, that the NFL might be taking it from Madden. So I want to hear your thoughts on should the real sports world take the crowd noise from the video game sports world? absolutely not oh thank you brother thank you thank you this is like having your own like studio audience like it's just recordings like it just doesn't the laugh real why why what's it gonna do for anybody what's it gonna do for the players what's it gonna do the viewers don't care about what's happening in the stands it's not gonna make them any more more or less excited to watch it it's there to see one team play another they don't really care who is it for like that's the big question that i have 
I don't know why they the geniuses and the powers that be they thought it would be a good idea it's lame the broadcasts and the outlets that are using it to pipe in post-production while the game is going on it's just lame you know I understand that there's a delay and they can pipe that in there but it's just awful oh they need to get rid of it like yesterday it's like a um, Michael Crichton scenario, right? Just because you have the power to do something, should you do it? Exactly. It's irritating, my friend. I mean, I'm watching an NBA game, and I can clearly tell you that I enjoy so much more when I hear the squeak of the sneakers, uh, shouting of plays, the calling out of defensive schemes. The bench for one team, their their player really does good. They're up in arms. You can hear them shout. You can hear them cheering their, their teammates on. That I enjoy. What I don't enjoy is the constant. Uh, uh, I I wonder if this is kind of a way to like conceal. I don't know if you've ever listened to like the mic'd up trash talk in the NHL, but I mean, I wonder if this is their way of concealing like just the pure onslaught of swear words that come out of some of these players' mouths because then they wouldn't be able to broadcast it. You know, it wouldn't be according to standards. So on some sports games, it does slip occasionally. You hear a player like spout the F word or say the S word or something, but. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. it. It might, but it's still very disappointing. And they have, remember, up to a 10-second delay that they can utilize. I know the 7-second delay is, is quite often referred to, but these networks, they have that delay. They have the dump button. They have someone there that's supposed to be being paid an amount to hit that button. And I've heard on Twitter already, uh, you know, a, for Carmelo Anthony from the Portland Trailblazers is probably the best example of someone who, if you get the live feed, the actual live raw feed, you can actually hear the swearing. And there was a famous one where he gets a rebound and told everybody to F off and I've got it. And he took the ball up court. Again, you have that delay. You have that dump button. There is no need for this awful crowd noise. Yeah, you know, it just, it goes bad. Um, you know, the, in the NHL, like some of the mic'd up, talk is is pretty funny like just them insulting each other about their beards and stuff but at the end of the day it really makes me wonder who's this for who who asked for this who even thought about doing something like this because i find the uh the sports noise annoying even in sport games you know just it's who is it for it's for the person that played 2k before they went ahead and turned on the show what are your thoughts out there on piped in crowd noise from video games inflicting us with it in real sports games share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com once again we're going to talk about more sisters royale and crosscode plus all the latest pop culture news and trends coming up on our friday episode the pcc multiverse everybody check out if you get a chance we truly appreciate it our facebook live videos all the stuff that we do on social media at pop culture cosmo on twitter pop culture cosmos everywhere you get your social media and of course if you get a chance check out all the stuff that we're doing at the lakers fast break the super bs gamescast and of course right here at the pop culture cosmos any last thoughts on the way out my friend because it's been just a tremendous episode but did you have any more thoughts on the way out I think I'm good. I am really excited about that Snyder cut though. So, you know, hopefully the rest ends up being just as good as, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be, but yeah, if you haven't checked out that clip, definitely go do that. Justice indeed, my friend, justice indeed. So for Josh Peterson, 
this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great